Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of Twisted Manor. I am Shai Mizrahi, your host, and with me, my wife and co-ghost, Emily. Hi. Today's a bit of a doozy. We just completely packed up the office, so there is nothing left except for the desk, the microphones, and I guess whatever's holding the microphones. And that's, that's it, really. So that's why we have no video. All of our lights are gone, the lava lamp's gone, everything's gone. So this would just look like a plain white ass room, which, you know, we only do with we only do this with style. Speaking of which, we just dropped our Sky Daddy merch on the website. So if you guys are interested in getting some of that sick ass shit, go on ahead, head over to our merch site. It's in the link on our Instagram at Twisted Manor. And uh yeah. I like the design. Turned out good. I love it. <laughs> it's exactly what we envisioned. Yes. The move is coming up quick, so we are just strapping down, getting everything packed up, ready to go. Um, so for the next three weeks, we will not have video. Maybe even for a fourth week, we won't have video. And we'll see how it goes, but um, we will be here. We won't be missing any weeks. We'll be here the whole time. So that's uh, that makes me happy. We're not going anywhere. Alrighty, so really that's it. Just uh, just to keep you guys in the loop once a week, what's going on in our lives and how that's going to affect the podcast. But speaking of the podcast, I say we just dive right into the show. Uh, today I picked today's theme, which is cursed movies. So movies that have been haunted for the cast and crew, the location that they filmed at, things such as that. So... I've only prepared two stories, but they are quite lengthy, like book lengthy. Book. You just, it's not even like about the curse. You just read the script for the whole movies. Yeah. <laughs> like if you guys have never heard of a screenplay, let me enlighten you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You better strap in because for the next three hours. <laughs> it was dark and gloomy. John. Hi. How's it been? Exit stage left. Die. (laughs) (laughs) This is just this massive odyssey, page by page. How many stories do you have? I have three, but they're significantly shorter than yours. Did I go first last time? I think so. Right? Near-death experiences? Uh, no, I think I did, actually. Okay, do you want me to go first, or do you want to go first? I'll go first, just so that it... It pans out. It's evened out, yeah. Okay. Cool, you'll engulf me. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Okay, the first one is Attic. Attic? Attic. Attuk. Have you ever heard anyone pronounce it? I don't know. I... How do you spell it? A-T-U-K. Okay. I was like, Attic? Aliens in the Attic was haunted? Attic. It could be a Attic. Norman Jewison, a Canadian director, wanted to create a film adaptation of the book The Incomparable Atuk, written in 1963, a story about an Inuit fisher who moves to Toronto and must use his traditional knowledge to survive the urban world. The script was believably cursed, killing six actors in production, four of whom were meant to play the lead role of Atuk. The project never got further than a few months. 
A few of the actors whose lives were taken included Sam Kinison, 38, struck on the road by an underage drunk driver. He wasn't wearing a seatbelt, was slammed into the windshield, and died on scene. Michael O'Donohue, 54, suffered migraines all his life. He finally died of brain hemorrhaging. And Phil Hartman, 49, was shot point blank between the eyes in his sleep by his drunk wife. Many attempts to start and restart production on the film occurred between the years of, eight, of 1982 and 1997, but it was never completed. Many other famous people were involved with the actors and crew of the film, including Will Ferrell, John Goodman, and Robin Williams, leaving many to conspire that the film may have played a role in the death of Williams. Interesting. That's a lot of crazy coincidences. The first one, like, pure accident. The second yeah. one, he's like, man, my head's always hurting. He's like, yeah, but, like, you're a great performer. <laughs> he's like, I don't know. Maybe I should go to the hospital before I, you know, commit to this? He's like, how about you commit to this and go to the doctor, you know, in the in the middle of it and just see how it goes. <laughs> and then he died. Third guy, he's like, you know, I just need a job. My life at home is absolute shit. My wife's a drunk. And I just don't like being home. He's like, you know what? You got, you're good at the role. So if you want the job, go for it. Like, <laughs> she keeps hiring people with the worst luck ever. That's uh, rough. So yeah, between 15 years of restarting and restarting and never got to finishing stages. Do you find out what it's supposed to be about? Yeah. It said it's a... So, in the book, it's an Inuit fisher who moves to Toronto, but um, in the movie adaptation, he was going to move to New York City, I think. Right. But, like... That's all said. I didn't read the book. Basically, it's it's like... like Jungle to Jungle It's like an indigenous fisher who's... Learned all these very traditional and um, hands-on, outdoorsy kind of ways of life. And he is forced to to move into the big city and is trying to relate the lives and the styles. It could be like Jungle to Jungle with Tim Allen. I've never seen that. He has a son that he doesn't know about. But he was raised along the Amazon River. And so he brings his son back to get to know him. And his son is like you know, not behaving like a normal human being would in New York City. And he's, like, pissing in people's plants, just, like, out in the middle of the dentist office, or, like, releasing his pet spider in people's apartments. Why? Why? So Tim Allen's character fucked an Amazonian? Uh, no. (laughs) He fucked a researcher who's like, my life is along the Amazon River. And it she fucking just is. It's beautiful stays down, down there. there. Yeah. I would. If I could, I would have, and we never would have met. So, well, we met, but. Coulda, shoulda, woulda. <laughs> could have been living down there, living the dream, always having to take my malaria medication. You don't want elephantitis? That's not in the Amazon. Uh, is it not? I mean, I I'm sure there's cases of it like all over the world, but elephantitis originated in Africa, didn't it? Well, I know it's a big study in Africa, but I just thought it was carried around by mosquitoes. So I just figured where there's a thick-ass, evil mosquito population, elephantitis just followed. 
They have malaria in Africa, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, so why can't it be both? For both of them. <laughs> it's elephantitis. Are you looking it up? Yeah. <laughs> it starts when mosquitoes infected with roundworm larvae bite you. The nice. tiny larvae sur- survive in your bloodstream and grow. They mature in your lymph in your lymph system, um, which results in accumulation of fluid, which eventually breaks down the immune system, and can't you can't protect yourself against diseases anymore. So it's it's caused in assistance by the mosquitoes. It's not caused by them, but yeah. Can I get a gross alert? <laughs> <laughs> So, fun fact, for those of you who don't know this kind of thing, I find this stuff fascinating. But, the idea of where unicorns and ogres come from. So, when the Spaniards started invading Africa... Spaniards who are 8 out of 8 dumb, might I add. (laughs) Conquistadors, brain, 2 out of 10. <laughs> oh, hey God, it's me from Spain. Well, they just had these very, very narrow Christian views, so they absolutely had no, like, they had no curiosity in the world. Yeah. Like, like I feel like when I went to the Amazon, I was like, dude, that's like super cool. Like, I want to know more about your cultures and your origins and your folklore and I want to be immersed in that and the conquistadors really just went ew what is that that's different kill it kill it now (laughs) the conquistadors really like had no curiosity they were absolutely shot down as children (laughs) I know because not even like Columbus was interested in finding something new he's like I'm gonna go to India he's like I came here for spices and all you people have is th- like dirt. Yeah, <laughs> like you TVs. got you got like corn. Ooh, what is that? Wow, cool guys. <laughs> Everyone has corn. Fucking kill these guys. They don't know how to make real crops. <laughs> real crops? <laughs> what is that? <laughs> he like he he even hired like an Indian translator, and he's like, "Go converse with the people." And he tries talking to him. He's like, "What did they say, great translator?" Columbus, I gotta be honest with you, I have no fucking clue what the hell they're saying. <laughs> I've got to tell you, I have no idea. <laughs> no. <laughs> Alrighty. My first story is the Amityville horror movie remake in 2005 with Ryan Reynolds. That was 2005? Yep. So, Emily and I actually just watched this movie yesterday to catch up and just, you know, get get in the mood for our episode, but then we ended up recording a day later. So, it's fresh in our movie. minds. It's yeah. a good movie, though. Yeah. It was pretty decent. Recommend. Yeah. If I you, like it. If you enjoy scary, which, I don't know if you know, if you know this, like, the fear triggers and, like, the horny triggers are very right similar in your brain. Uh-huh. Um, so, like, a lot of people get turned on from, like, watching scary movies, so if you're super into that, this movie, 8 out of 8, because it has Ryan Reynolds shirtless in it, so. Yeah, he got that (laughs) nice-ass 70s mustache beard. Oh, yeah. The long hair. He looks like a hippie. He's jacked as shit. When is he not? I mean, there's a lot of parts where he's... 
being possessed to abuse the kids by chopping wood. But she, that's my favorite part, because he's shirtless <laughs> while he's chopping wood. It's like, <laughs> well, it was the 70s, so is he good looking because he works out or because he does crack? Both. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. I could totally he, see him as a crackhead. He crack does head. crack and speed, and so on that high, he fucking whips. He, he's yeah. just banging. <laughs> he was the sped kid growing up. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, delving deep into this movie, just so you guys have a good idea of what the movie is about, what it's based on, and what happened during the filming, we got a deep analysis here. The film Amityville Horror, filmed in 2005, starring Ryan Reynolds, was a pretty scary film. However, there are things that happen outside of the finished product that could be considered more horrifying. The true story behind the movie was a famous case that made national news. It was widely debated to be a hoax. But if the tale is true, then we should all fear what could happen to us. The story goes that on November 13th, 1974, the Amityville estate was the scene of mass murder. So the... 1974, you said? Yes. So using a 35 Marlin rifle, 23-year-old Ronald J. DeFeo Jr. murdered his entire family where they slept. I really liked... I really like that nickname, Ronnie. I have a cousin, Ronnie. But I hate the name Ronald. McDonald. Ronald McDonald gives me nightmares. <laughs> Imagine him going room to room, killing your family with a shotgun. Like, I feel like Ronnie... Like, for anyone that's seen the movie and remembers or is planning to watch it, he's like a very, like, good-looking, backwoods kind of hick kid. Ryan Reynolds or... No, Ronnie in the movie. Yes. And I feel like that perfectly, like, fits his name. But when you say Ronald, I picture, like, an old man with a hump. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. He killed his entire family in their sleep, which is pretty fucked up. And this is all true. Yes, this is all true. This is, this is the basis for the film. Uh, so, this included his parents and his four siblings all taking place, all, well, I guess all starting at 3.15 a.m., that information holds a lot of value, and you'll see in a second how it ties in later. Thirteen months later, the Lutz family purchased the home at a drastically reduced price of $80,000 due to the murders, but only lasted 28 days before vacating. Their spine-tingling tales of paranormal activity are what propelled the legend of the Amityville Horror and spawned a torrent of books, documentaries, and films. The five-bedroom home was built in Dutch colonial style and had a distinctive gambrel roof. It also had a swimming pool and a boathouse as it was located on a canal. It had a swimming pool? Yeah. That wasn't in the movie, though. No. I, I like wish, because instead of chopping day. wood, Ryan Reynolds would be fucking swimming around. Baking in the sun. <laughs> fucking hot shit. Well, he was chopping wood, why? It's cold. Why would he go swimming if it was cold? He'd get some sun on him. What sun? He he's so cold. He has in to chop house. wood. In the house he's cold. He's like, this is the only room in the house that's fucking hot, dude. And <laughs> he's outside in the sun more often. You don't have there to worry wasn't about a it. sun. Maybe not in the movie, but like they could have That added movie one. wasn't even it was an exact replica, okay? <laughs> There wasn't a sun. As Emily would know, as she lived in that house for 28 days as well. No, I just... 
I traveled through time once. Oh. You ever like astral project through time? Yes, all the time. Every night. Every night? Yeah, I just... It's tiring. Yeah, that's why I'm always tired. Who's who's the most famous person you've met in history? Oof, Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson. Well, Martin Luther King was a close second. Second to <laughs> Michael Jackson? Yeah. Martin Luther King literally died so that Michael Jackson could die also. Well, oh, yeah, yeah, I know. He totally <laughs> yeah, faked his Martin death. Martin Luther King died so that Michael Jackson could fake his death. Honestly, that's, like, pretty heroic. Like, he literally gave his life so that another person... Could become white. Could No, <laughs> could, like, <laughs> like, become... I mean, like, he fought for, like, black rights, so then it was... He literally died so that in the future... I don't know if this is what Martin Luther King Jr. was thinking, but then in the future, a black person became so famous and loved that he literally had to fake his own death just to try to live a normal life. He's just down in Mexico right now and just vibing. You think he's in Mexico? I don't know where he is. But he's out there somewhere, you fucker. <laughs> I know you're listening to this, you shit. <laughs> he's probably, he's walking, just listening to this stupid podcast. He's like, yeah, I've always seen that's an interesting thought when someone fakes their death, and it no. becomes famous, and it's all over the place, and they're like, they yeah, like, we saw him down in Cancun, in like a tourist, in the background of a tourist photo, and he's like, like shit, not- I gotta be more careful. He's like watching the news later, he's like, that wasn't even me, I never yeah. even went to Cancun. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> What's worse, though, is, like, there are documentaries about serial killers who have never been caught. Imagine them watching their documentary. <laughs> I mean, like, Whack. that's like... That's yeah, like the fucked Zodiac? Up to, that's, like, fucked up to think about from, like, an outside perspective. But, like, just imagining if that was me. Just, like, I literally just, like, killed a bunch of people and I'm just watching the news and, like, this documentary. Them, like, attempting to catch me and I'm just, like, I fucking left, like, a blues clue right there, man. You, <laughs> you went right over it. All right. Let's get back to this. Okay. So, yeah. Swimming pool. Bathhouse. Uh, it was along the canal. Lake house. Did you say bathhouse? Yeah, I have a ba- Oh, sorry, boathouse. <laughs> bathhouse, whatever. <laughs> so, George and Kathy Lutz married in July 1975 and each had their own homes, but they wanted to start fresh with a new property. Kathy had three children from a previous marriage, Daniel, who was nine, Christopher, who was seven, and Melissa, or Missy, who was five. Those weren't the names of the kids in the movie? No. It was uh, William slash Billy. I don't know the name of the two little kids, though. Chelsea was... Oh, yeah. Chelsea. Girl. And then that fucker who can't pee uh, without his Tyler? brother knowing. Oh. <laughs> to be fair, if I, I was scared of the dark to go pee. That's why little kids just pee in their bed. Yeah. It's safer. It's true. And if any <laughs> monster grabs you, like, oh, shit, he's going like, piss. <laughs> leave me yeah. alone. Monsters won't eat you if you shit yourself. And if they you keep your feet though. inside the blanket, not hanging off the bed. Blankets have some kind of magical force filled against demons. I don't know what it is. But have you ever seen a demon rip off a blanket? Don't answer that. <laughs> <laughs> they also owned a crossbreed Malamute slash Labrador dog Aww. named Harry. 
During their last inspection of the house, the real estate broker told them about the DeFeo murders and asked if this would affect their decision. After discussing the matter, they decided it was not a problem. The Lutz family moved in December 18, 1975. Much of the DeFeo family's furniture was still in the house because it was included for $400 as part of the deal. A friend of George Lutz learned about the history of the house and insisted on having it blessed. At the time, George was a non-practicing Methodist and had no experience of what this would entail. Kathy was a non-practicing Catholic. Catholic, I mean. <laughs> alcoholic. Is what it was. <laughs> She's a practicing alcoholic. <laughs> Kathy was a non-practicing Catholic and explained the process. George knew a Catholic priest named Father Ray who agreed to carry out the house blessing. He arrived to perform the blessing while George and Kathy were unpacking their belongings on the afternoon of December 18, 1975, and went into the building to carry out the rites. When he flicked the first holy water and began to pray, he heard a masculine voice demand that he get out. Masculine? Ayo, get out. Because women can't be demons. <laughs> Remember this, girls. You can never be whatever you want, because if you want to be a demon... Sucks. It's yeah, for men you can only. damn yourself to hell all you want. You're just gonna be scrubbing Satan's floors. <laughs> You're gonna kitchen. be in Satan's kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> Hell's kitchen. Damn. Fuck. As long right as there Gordon, next to Gordon Ramsay. As long as he's down there, I'm okay with that. Gordon Ramsay. Yeah. Yeah. He'll he'll make the devil cry. <laughs> he totally would. He yeah, bend over Satan and spank him. They'd have to make a whole new level of hell just for Gordon Ramsay because he made the devil cry. Yeah. When leaving the house, Father Manu- Mancuso did not mention this incident to either George or Kathy because he's a fucking idiot. Well, I thought it was Father Ray. Ray Mancuso. I think. Pick one. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine that? You're like, can you come bless the house? There's some murders in here and they're kind of freaking us out and people just think it's a good idea. Better safe than sorry. The priest's like, sure. Literally encounters the devil himself and is like, I don't think anyone needs to know about this. He's to be like, honest. I literally had a vision in there and it was God. And God said, Yo, literally, I'm so scared right now. Get out. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, kind of mad about that. I'm salty for this family. The fact that <laughs> he literally is like, Yeah, this place is haunted, but I ain't going to tell nobody. I know, straight up. He's <laughs> so fucking pissed when I find out. Well, because, and like Catholic priests, you pay them for that yeah. kind of stuff. I'm like, what the fuck am I paying you for? Like, give me a refund. Fake father? You're not even my dad, are you? He just pays you back in <laughs> crisp bread pieces. He from Sacramento. Yeah, the the like the leftover. Yeah. <laughs> stale bread. Uh, on December 24th, 1975, so just a couple days after the move, Father Mancuso called George Lutz and advised him to stay out of the second floor room where he had heard the mysterious voice, the former bedroom of Mark and John. Matthew DeFeo. The parents? Yeah. Or Mark and I think so. Wait, no. Mark and John is probably the little brothers. You think the parents really called them Mark, John, and Ronald? I don't think so. No, you're right, because <laughs> they had a mom and a dad. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I, I, I don't, worked up about it. I don't know, unless it, like, Mark was short for Marceline or something. <laughs> like. Hey, Mars. Of all the, I know, like, like I have an aunt Marcy. I'm gonna just start calling her Mars. Mark with a C. <laughs> <Kirk>. <laughs> okay. Um, 
So yeah, he told them to stay out of that room, but they're like, yo, we were gonna use that as a sewing room. And Kathy got a little livid, shall we say. As a sewing room? Yeah. So the father, the father's like, don't use that room. And he's like, why not? He's like, trust me, this is weird. And Kathy's like, but I was gonna fucking sew some hot shit in there. And now you're taking my sewing privileges away from me. This is why no one takes religious leaders or parents seriously. Because when you ask why, and they just say, because I said so. Give me a reason, stupid. Because God's bussin' bussin'. Because <laughs> God threw a fit in there and he trashed the place. <laughs> <laughs> God threw a bangin' party. All the demons were there. I was nervous. Well, here's the catch. <laughs> The call from Father Ray Mancuso, <laughs> I don't know what his name is. Raymond. It was cut Cusco. short and was just evolved into static. So. Don't go in there. Why not? Because there was a. <laughs> Following his visit to the house, Father Ray Mancuso allegedly <laughs> developed a high fever and blisters on his hands, similar to stigmata. Talking about their experiences subsequently, they reported that it was as if they were each living in a different house. By mid-January 1976, after another attempt at a house blessing by George and Kathy, they experienced what would turn out to be their final night in the house. The Lutzes declined to give a full account of the events that took place on the occasion, describing them as, quote, too frightening. Kathy said she levitated, saw glowing red eyes, and began having nightmares about the murder. A nearby garage door kept opening and closing, an invisible spirit knocked a knife down in the kitchen, a pig-like creature with red eyes stared right into the soul of George and his son Daniel from a window. George would be awoken by strange noises at 3.15 every night, the time of the murder, while Danny's youngest sister, Missy, acquired a strange imaginary friend. The family said many of the things that happened echoed the events of the murders and strange smells, cold drafts, and moving objects completed their experiences. After the Lutz family left in a hurry, a group of paranormal investigators, including Ed and Lorraine Warren, had a sleepover in the house and tried to speak to the ghosts. The ghost hunters set up a timed camera that ended up snapping a shot of what looked like a ghost child peeking out from behind a staircase. You have that picture? I do. <sighs> it is right here. You see him? Pretty freaky photo. <laughs> I have chills. I'm going to cry. This is a quote from Lorraine Warren. She says, The very first night that Ed and I went into that home, I was fearful, but I didn't know what I was fearful of. Uh, as I was going up the stairs, I reached the point where it felt as if a force of water was coming against my chest, almost like a waterfall. She said in the clip, explaining her initial feeling inside the haunted home. It was the worst feeling. I stopped on the landing and held tight to the relic that was in my hand, and asked for strength and direction in going forward. It felt ominous to me. During the filming of the 2005 remake of the original film released in 1979, Hollywood star Ryan Reynolds claimed that every morning at exactly 3.15 a.m., he and other cast and crew members would wake up. Oh my god. If that happened to me even once. once. Like, you know in the script, like, oh yeah, I'm supposed to wake up at 3.15 every night and have these, like, dark premonitions and stuff. If that happened to me once in my own house that I woke up at 3.15, I would quit right then and there and I'd fucking move. I would like, shit I quit. all over my bed. I'm moving. I I've would shit on the alarm clock. 
What the hell? (laughs) 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 Okay. Um, The same time of the murders and the same time that George Lutz would awaken his month's stay at the home. So yeah, we've already established that. While on set, a dead body washed ashore from the lake. Oh, it just it just washed ashore. That doesn't happen. Lakes don't. Uh, they're not like they have like waves, but not like the ocean. Like things don't just get washed up. Like oh my gosh. I try to find out about the dead body, but I couldn't find a background on it for who it was or anything like that. So being in the water that long, it probably. I don't know. I mean, they didn't say how long it was. It could have just been dumped in the water like a couple hours before. Maybe. Whatever the case. I guess, yeah. Then it'd probably be floating if it was like a recent murder. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. It could have been like a boating accident or a murder. We don't know what it was. So I can't really find much many details into it. But, um, yeah. A whole dead guy. Ruined set. And, uh... I'd, I'd never go back. That postponed production for a few days few and haunted days. the cast for even longer. Oh, God. Actors and crew members always suspected there was an otherworldly presence during the filming of the movie. Whether they were right or just overly paranoid, we may never know. Hey, was it filmed <coughs> in like a set version of the house? Yes. So or... it is a fake version of the okay. house and they filmed it in Chicago, I think, not in uh, Amityville. Long Island, New York. So it's like, it's so different, but just, that's so weird. But like the ghosts of the other house are like haunting them. Yep. That's so creepy. Is the Amityville house still standing? Yes, it is. Do they do tours? Nope, there's a whole family living in there right now. Ew, get out of there. (laughs) Last part, Ryan Reynolds has been quoted saying he would never do another horror film after the events that took place in filming Amityville Horror. Good on you. Yeah, no, definitely watching it was super creepy. And it's always that like jump a... jump scare in the bathroom? Fuck, dude. I even knew it was coming, and I still almost pissed myself. <laughs> it's always like a... When things say, like, they're based on true stories, you're like, okay, but, like, how much of it was based on a true story? Well, like, that's what I like, like majority of this could be fabricated. It. And so, because this story, now you guys know how much of it's real. And you Supposedly, can always look a lot at more... Of yeah. I have mixed feelings about this famous haunting case because, like I said, it was widely speculated to be a hoax. And there are some things that are like, that is hoax? And they proved that? But then there are things that they're like, no, this really happened? And they proved that that did happen? So it's like a weird mixture of things. But, like, people were saying that, like, in the movie that we watched, uh, the one that we're discussing... They said that it was all because of, like, Indians, right? So the natives natives. were haunting the home and stuff. But that was proven completely wrong. There weren't even natives in that area. Whereas, like, people levitating and, like, glowing red eyes and stuff, people, like, they have multiple accounts from people that wasn't the family. There was a story about the Lutz family that I could not find for the life of me. I remember reading about it after I watched the movie for the first time, but they had this granite or like, how they was granite, but a porcelain. It was a porcelain tiger that was left over from the furniture. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. And it was in the living room, and George Lutz really hated it. And so the, he kept moving it upstairs, which is super heavy, mm-hmm. and it kept showing up downstairs, right back where it was. And so one day he was walking past it, and he tripped over it, and he cut his leg, and it looked like a fang mark, like like the tiger bit him. Like he tripped on its, like, fangs? No, like he tripped on the thing, fell over, and his leg had, like, a bite mark in it. Oh. Do you know where Amityville is? Oh, Long yeah, Island. Yeah, Long Island. Okay. So. Are you looking up its current state? I, no, I was just going to say, I guess, like, this is the remake that's right. so cursed and stuff. So I wanted to know if, like, the original movie had, like any hauntings but it was filmed in New Jersey right so which is weird because nothing like that happened in the first movie I believe so I don't know what was so special about the remake the fact that it's a hoax <laughs> I I would definitely say like I believe in the original Amityville story absolutely yeah but I could definitely see that like the movie haunting was just like a marketing ploy to get people more interested in it. I could see that. Maybe, yeah. I am a big fan of Ed and Lorraine Warren and their oh, yeah. work. And I believe that they're highly credible. So those mm-hmm. quotes that I found from her, to, like explaining how she felt initially just from stepping in the house. Oh, yeah. I totally believe something weird happened there. And I totally understand, like, maybe some things were hoaxy. And they're like, this happened, but just so that, you know, it gets more widespread. So, like, even if it's not true, it's getting around more. So, more coverage. So, I can see where that could come from. Yeah. No, I definitely believe in, like, the original story. I just don't know how much I believe in the movie. No, like... murders or the family moving in after the murders? The Lutzes moving in after, like, in real life. But the movies I can definitely see are, like marketing ploy yeah trying to like replicate it and stuff i was explaining to emily when we were watching the film that uh they they do that thing where it's a black screen it tells you like what day it is because they're only there for 28 days yeah so on the 28th day they came out with this huge like what like eye-opening plot discovery and it's like all of this is happening because of the natives and a reverend and all this stuff. But I explained to her that, again, they didn't tell anyone what happened that last night that they were there because it was so scary for them. Yeah. So every movie that's been made about this is all speculation what happened that 28th day because no one really knows. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anyway, let's go on to the next story. Okay. This one is The Poltergeist. The Poltergeist was a horror movie trilogy that first aired in 1982. As creepy as the movies are, however, the additional curses may be creepier. The series was said to be cursed and it supposedly led to the deaths of four actors. The first being Dominic Dunn, 22, who died during production. She was found outside her home, her boyfriend kneeling over her. They got into an argument that led to him hitting her pushing her into the bushes, and strangling her to death on the ground, although he claims to have no memory of those few minutes. She didn't die instantly, but was put on life support for less than a week before being euthanized. 
Those that followed included Julian Beck, 60, who died of stomach cancer, Heather O'Rourke, 12, who died of unusual bowel defects, and Lou Perryman, 67, who was murdered. Recently released convict drove to a police station in a stolen car, admitting that he stole the car and killed its owner. The police tracked down the car's owner and discovered Perryman in his home, killed by multiple strikes from an axe. A documentary on the curse began in 2015, but never made it to production. Jeez, I didn't know that. That's interesting. Yeah, a little spooky. It didn't, I couldn't find anything as to like why the documentary was stopped, but it was definitely, I thought that was a little strange. Yeah. My last story is the Conjuring franchise, going back to Ed and Lorraine Warren. Pretty much every movie in the Conjuring universe has had some spooky happenings on set. Based on the real experiences of paranormal investigators Ed and Lorraine Warren, there have been many reports of strange and paranormal happenings on the sets which are all equally creepy. The first spin-off film, titled Annabelle, was released in 2014 and was directed by John R. Leonetti, who claims to have experienced not one, but two supernatural occurrences while on set. The first came when he found three lines drawn through a dusty window which looked like finger marks. The second came when they shot their first scene with the demon. The demon actor went up the elevator and headed to where the other actors were, but as he was walking down a hallway, a giant glass light fixture fell on an actor's head who was playing a janitor. To make matters even creepier, in the script, that same hallway is where the demon kills the janitor. Quite the coinkadink. Well, he was just like... The the real demon probably just saw the actor as like his understudy. He <laughs> was trying to get the job done. Oh, yeah. <laughs> In the set of the first Conjuring film, revolving around the Perrin case, the actors who played the Warrens were strongly affected by both the, the Perrin case and its dramatization, just like their real-life counterparts. And not just because it spawned a successful film franchise whose universe is still growing today. Vera Farmiga portrayed Lorraine Warren, who professed herself to be a clairvoyant medium. Lorraine's intrinsic connection to the spiritual world seems to have rubbed off on the actress who portrayed her, because Farmiga found herself mysteriously and repeatedly waking up between 3 and 4 in the morning on set. Wait, what do you mean on set? That's just what it says. She just takes her nap. She sleeps on set? (laughs) And doesn't go home. I live and breathe this movie, John, okay? Yeah, talk about method acting. It's drawing enough to note that this time frame is commonly known as the witching hour or the devil's hour, a time which a time of night associated with heightened supernatural activity due to the belief that witches, ghosts, demons and the like reach their greatest power during this window and that the line between life and death, physical and supernatural, is at its thinnest. Well, it's statistically proven that if you're going to die in your sleep... It's between those hours. Yeah, that's when you're going to die. The specific time window in which the witch character died was during this witching hour. Farmiga was so shaken by the experience that it was she who pointed out to the director the uncanniness of this connection. The actress's sleep troubles persisted even after the movie wrapped. 
In addition to sleep disturbances, Farmiga also dealt with mysterious claw marks that seemed to follow her wherever she went. Like, on her or like on things around her? You'll see. Uh, Even transcending both physical and digital barriers. What the hell? The first time she encountered a set of three mysterious claw marks, they appeared on her computer screen, an interesting choice for a spirit to reveal itself. Like, you think like it looked like someone had scratched the screen of the computer no, or imagine like looking at like a google doc and like yeah, in the like computer google your doc. google doc is like ripped up like it was a real piece of paper no it's just three random scratch marks on like her word document like an image she took a picture of her computer screen okay when okay. it happened and it looks like that it's just like an image <laughs> i don't know what you want me to say i don't know that like I thought it'd be cooler if like a piece of paper was ripped, but that's your Google Doc. But it really just kind of looks like she copy pasted a picture from Google. She had been working on her laptop, then closed it normally to take a phone call about being in the Conjuring. A phone call in which she expressed both her interest in the project and her desire to have Patrick Wilson play the part of her husband, saying that if he was in, she was in. When she opened her laptop again, she found three diagonal digital claw marks descending from right to left. Later on set, she again discovered three claw marks, but this time they cropped up much closer to home. Well, I guess the question is about the computer. Like, could she exit out of the claw marks? I don't know. (laughs) The marks now appeared on her thigh. That was the last time they showed up, thankfully. And Farmiga did admit that the claw marks that appeared on her computer were slightly different, a little thicker from those that appeared on her leg. But maybe all that means is that there wasn't one supernatural force after her, but two. She's really trying to, like, get the fingerprints of these demons on her. Speaking of bodily marks, Joey King, the actress playing Christine, one of the five Perrin daughters, also apparently ended up covered in strange bruises after just a couple of weeks of shooting, despite not being involved in any of her character stunts. Patrick Wilson revealed in an interview... There was no rational explanation for why a child would sustain such marks on set. As the production was very strict about not putting the children in physical danger for stunts or any other reason. Wait, wait. King. So she did sustain these on set? Mm-hmm. Okay, because my immediate next thought was domestic abuse. And King never had a bruising problem before or since. Oh, dang. Okay, yeah. The Warren's objects were guarded with extreme care. The haunted objects in their um, display room. Mm-hmm. But it's terrifying to even think about having a collection like that in your basement. It was probably pretty scary just having a replica built on set. And the scariest part of all this that some of the artifacts on the set seem to have a life and nature of their own. So these fake artifacts in the fake room seem to also be haunted. Well, I... Some people, like, could argue that, um, the, like, it's never going to be exactly the same. Obviously, like, if the Annabelle doll is haunted, it's probably not the same spirit that haunts the original doll. But, I mean, like, how do you think Ouija boards work? Like, they're all just factory made, but they're meant for that reason. And if you're going to make a doll for the purpose of possession... Something's going to be open to that. 
This was probably the phenomenon confirmed by the greatest number of people, including producer Rob Cohen. Certain objects, most notably a certain wooden pig, mysteriously kept moving all around the room. Why a pig? I don't know. Things got worse in the sequel. Imagine the fear inspired by not only shooting a second film, but doing so in a notoriously haunted studio at a Warner Brothers. Apparently, Studio 4 is the most haunted soundstage on the premise. Francis O'Connor revealed that a priest actually blessed the set at the beginning of production. But apparently, this wasn't enough to stop some unsettling things going on. When Lee Wannell, who wrote and starred in James Wan's 2010 horror film Insidious, stopped by to visit his old friend, photos from the movie Insidious mysteriously showed up on his iPad. This was despite the fact that they weren't even saved to his PC or iPad at all, and he couldn't get rid of them either. What? What do you mean he couldn't get rid of them? Probably just kept hitting delete and he just wouldn't do it. That's so creepy. It was just images from the movie. Right, so James Wan is the director for a lot mm -hmm. of these films, and his friend from the Insidious movie just came to visit for the day, and mm -hmm. all these Insidious pictures popped up out of nowhere. Freaky... I wouldn't member, invite that friend over anymore. Yeah. <laughs> a crew member ended up taking a video of curtains repeatedly moving by themselves. This happened after everyone had wrapped production for the day and gone home, with just a few of the crew left on the soundstage. At the far end of the stage, a set of huge curtain drapes started to move on their own and continued to do so even though the air conditioning was off and no doors were open. Patrick Wilson took the video and showed it to Juan. The craziest part was, in the video, the person behind the camera walks up to the curtains and looks behind them to find no one and nothing responsible for the movement. Ugh. I, that part away, that's like, that freaks me out so bad. Like, watching people, like, record, like, home record, like, on their phone and stuff, like, um, supernatural Doors things in their house. And, and, and they off. just, like, walk right up to it and check, and I'm like... You wouldn't catch me near that house for weeks. Like, I would literally become homeless. Like, that's... Yeah, <laughs> those films always scare me when, like, the bathroom light turns on and off. And they just go in the bathroom. And they're I'm like, like what look, the fuck there's are no you one thinking? in here. And I'm like, there fucking is, though, isn't there? <laughs> fucking get out. So, yeah, those are just a few scary things from some movies from the franchise. And we could go on more and more, but to keep things from going on too long, we'll just stop it there. So freaky. Uh, <laughs> that's so. That's so scary. Mm -hmm. For both of those casts, like, oh my god. This whole episode, our inconsiderate ass landlord and all of his buddies came over to just laugh like fucking hogs. So, if you guys can hear all that laughing and slamming in the background, I apologize. On behalf of my stupid-ass landlord. When you apologize on behalf of someone, do they have to actually be sorry? I think it's one of those things, like, when your friend's drunk and, like, he's sorry, he didn't mean it. <laughs> like, it's just one of those things that, like, on their behalf is just, like, they don't know better because they're fucking dumb or inebriated. Okay. <laughs> you ready? Last one. This one is Moana Macbeth. Oh, started with an M. I was close. Yeah, you were. <laughs>
Very. They're, like, the same story. You know, like, like, uh, The Lion King is based off of Hamlet. Moana's actually based after Macbeth. Yeah, that part where Maui's crying, like, out, damn spot, out. Uh, what? <laughs> <sighs> this play has a long history of curse and superstition. Anyone who has been involved in their high school play knows not to say the name of this play. Mm-hmm. I have heard that, actually. Many refer to it as the Scottish play in order to avoid saying its name. The curse was said to have originated during the writing of the script. Shakespeare had conversed with real witches to learn of actual spells and incantations to put in his play. When the witches warned of putting real spells in, Shakespeare disregarded their concern. The witches then put a curse on the play and every production of it thereafter. Nice. And like kind of petty Classic. and stupid. They're like, oh, you can't use real incantations. Why not? Because we'll, We're just we'll put around. an incantation on you. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> anyway. What the fuck did you say to me? Uh, nothing, your greatness. <laughs> a few incidents to mention include Harold Norman, who was mortally wounded in a sword fight during a performance of Macbeth at London's Repertory Theater in 1947. Looks like someone just doesn't know how to act right. He died in the hospital three weeks later. Okay, was he, like, acting and his co-star fucking stabbed him? I don't... They were... <laughs> during a performance, they were in the sword fight, and he got wounded. I don't know. <laughs> his, his co-star just cut off his hand. Shink. <laughs> He's in critical condition. Can't believe That's why anymore. we don't use real weapons anymore. When have, we, when have we ever done that in a school play? In 1947, people died. <laughs> <laughs> he's this like, is why. Yeah, he's like, my granddad fought in the war, actually, and uh, we're going to use it in the play, in the sword that he had. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's the blood of his enemies still on it. Okay. In December of 1964... A fire burned down the Di Maria II National Theater in Lisbon, Portugal, at the time that Macbeth was being shown. In 1980, a production of Macbeth was shown at the Old Vic. It was reviewed so badly that the theater company disbanded shortly after the play. Mishaps on the set of his film, including an opera of Macbeth, led director Dario Argento to believe that the film had been affected by the curse. I think that's so crazy that the play was so cursed. Then was like, this was the most ass performance I've ever seen. <laughs> Everyone fucking one starred Macbeth and just killed the theater. People was... literally <laughs> lost their whole lives. People got divorced over this. <laughs> I think that's such a crazy outcome. Like, come on, guys. We got to pull together. This is going to be the craziest, most fun play we've done of all time. And they're piling in months and months of work of just like, that was good acting, George. Can't wait for the opening night. And everyone's like, this was so fucking shit that I'm going to shut you guys down. Damn. <laughs> they had no confidence after this. <laughs> yeah, they never got another acting job ever. In 1988... Bulgarian singer Bancho Banchevsky 
committed suicide during a nationally broadcast matinee of Verdi's opera, Macbeth. Not so nice. He propelled himself backwards from a balcony railing at the Metropolitan Opera House in Lincoln Square. Ari Aster, writer and director of Hereditary, said that during filming, Alex Wolfe told me not to say the name of the Scottish play out loud because of some superstitious theater legend. I smugly announced the name, and then one of the lights burst during the shooting of the following scene. Damn. Even I have witnessed the repercussions of disobeying the rules of the curse. This is from you talking? Uh-huh. Or, okay. In high school, while doing makeup in our costume room, I spoke the words of the curse play. Later, throughout our showings, we broke two glasses and lost the weapon. Macbeth is easily the oldest curse performance, yet so classic, I doubt it will ever stop being a staple in theater. That's super cool. Yeah, I got I got yelled at for saying the name. Watch. I'm going <laughs> to freak out. Watch the audio for this podcast just be like all static. I'm going to cry. After saying Macbeth. Well, no. The rules are like you can't say in like a theater setting. Like you can just say Macbeth like not relating I'm to the player like on talking about it. But like 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 me personally like you can say it like outside of theater and stuff but I said it the night of our first performance during costuming and every performance following something happened yeah my uh I'm gonna cry on the day that like we talk about something super creepy and there's just no audio for real there are some people who do think that the curse applies to 24-7 so like I've had like theater teachers never say the name alright well that was an interesting show I think we're just getting better and better every episode thank you guys for listening it's been a pleasure talking about this interesting uh, I don't know what to call it thanks for watching with your earballs. <laughs> <laughs> and you're fired oh, okay. you're getting a new co-host who doesn't, nice. doesn't say my, such vile things I got my Tuesdays back <laughs> <laughs> We will see you next time because we know how to hack into your phone's camera. I'm in cahoots with the with the FBI agent that's in love with you. Nice. So I'm trying to I'm trying to get him like, you know, Something give nice him a chance to, you know, ask you out, oh, give him I just some noticed. confidence. We just we just recorded this on Valentine's Day. It had no not even a single ounce no, of Valentine's Day. We celebrated Day Valentine's Day yesterday and then I absolutely said fuck it and it's not Valentine's Day anymore. It's when I want it to be. If I didn't get the day off of work, it's not a real holiday. Okay? (laughs) If you guys want to send in your stories, which we are hoping you guys do, we've had a a dry run lately. I love hearing from you guys. Like, I mean, like, I know you guys probably love hearing from us too and we have plenty of anecdotes. But, I mean, I get bored hearing Shy's same creepy story all the time. <laughs> I'm, I'm ready for some fresh, squeezed ghost stories. And, I mean, a lot of the stuff that we do is just research into stories that exist. Yeah. And a lot of it is hard to find first-hand accounts of what happened. It's not as raw 
is when you guys send something in. For sure, so yeah. If you guys want to send us something, you have two options. One is for the main episode, the main story, and that is emailing us at twistedmanner.sub at gmail.com. Another option is to go to our Instagram at Twisted Manor. Follow the link in the description box, and that will take you to Telenim. And that is a shorter version of what you can write for us, and we will use that as a bonus story at the end of every episode when we get them. Okay, I have a question. Yeah. Is it Telenim, like telephone and name? Or is it telling um, like telling them? Telling them my story? Telling them my story? You see what I did? Mm, telling them. I see what you're saying. Two yeah, I was telling them earlier. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's like that. I'd be telling them my story. That's sick. That was my attempt at beatboxing. Don't forget to go to the merchandise site. Again, follow the link in the Instagram uh, bio at Twisted Manor. Look at the new merch that we dropped. Sky Daddy merch is out there. Do not forget, as well as our super awesome Frostbite merch, Blood Vessel merch, and who can forget, Always Trust the Animals merch. So that stuff is all out there. And of course, our classic Twisted Manor merch. So hop on that shit. It's super comfortable. I bought a, a handful of things already, and I love all of it. So that is it for this episode, guys. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode of Twisted Manor.